Hello, and welcome to How to Home, How to Balance Homeschool Life and Work Life. Today I have with me Rhonda, Sheila, and Sandy. Between them, they all have many years of homeschooling experience. They also have a quite, all of them have high school graduates, and a lot of them have kids who have graduated from college and are working in the adult world. So they have a lot of experience with homeschooling. Not only that, they um, have many, many years experience homeschooling with sunlight. And I think if you've been to any conventions, you've probably seen one of them. They are our sunlight curriculum consultants. They um, oftentimes are out traveling conventions, but today they're here with us to talk about how to balance homeschool life and work life. I wanted to talk a little bit about what this is. You know, I think a lot of people think that it is a combined job and it is not. This is really two different jobs, homeschool, work. It is two different jobs. These women are here with me today to talk about advice, talk about tips and tricks to get you through it, and um, give us a little bit of insight on the tools we can put in our toolbox to, to help out. So let's get started. The first question I have is for Rhonda. Um, when your family, when your fa when families first start homeschooling, how do you set some goals and figure out what's important to you? How do you start that process? It is important to get that stuff under your belt. So how do you start that? Definitely. And, and what you need to realize is that each family that's listening here, you all have different experiences. Your makeup family is very different too. So you, um, you're going to need goals to help focus you. And because you're trying to run two jobs, you need that focus. So goals, you can think of it as these are going to be overarching goals that are kind of your family mission statement, if you will. And the way to go about that is, first off, just think through, okay, what is it that I ultimately want for my family, for my household, for my relationships with other people, and just brainstorm. Talk to your spouse, talk to your mom, talk to your best friend, whoever it is, talk to them. Um, another great source for some ideas of some overarching goals for yourself would be to, <clears throat> excuse me, would be to talk, uh, you can get on the Sunlight website at sunlight.com and there is a list of top 10 goals. And that's another great brainstorming tool. So once you brainstorm, then look at all those things that you've written down and evaluate, okay, which things can go together? What can I combine here? Because what you want to do is get those goals down to three overarching goals, and those are your mission statements. That'll keep you focused. That'll keep you, you know, happy and alive when you're in the trenches and you're working so hard, and it'll be encouraging to you. So, for instance, three goals could be, um, okay, I want to maintain a relationship with my spouse. And, or number two might be that um, I would like to raise well-educated, Christ-following people. Okay, that's a good one. And the last one might be, and I would like my house to be functional, maybe 80%. And that's like awesome if you can do all that. So those goals are, are something that will really keep you encouraged. And I would actually encourage you to write them down, print them pretty. Put them someplace where you can see them because you are going to focus on those goals on those days where you're like, I'm going to die. This is where you go, you go back 
this is your source of encouragement. It's not condemnation. It's like, okay, yeah, that's right. This is where we're going. And when you have those three goals, that makes it so easy then to determine what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And that's those very important boundaries. Those are awesome ideas. Sheila, can you help us talk about setting boundaries and aligning expectations for homeschool? Absolutely. So once you have your goals set in place, it is good to put up boundaries because we're not just adding one more thing to our plate. We have to lighten up our load in order to be able to homeschool um, our children effectively and still maintain a healthy life balance, whether it's work, whether it's uh, your relationship with your spouse, maintaining your home, those kinds of things. So you're definitely going to have to set up some, some boundaries on your time. That means you're going to have to learn to say no. <laughs> and that is hard, I think, sometimes for people to do. I know I am a people pleaser and I like to say yes when someone comes to me and asks for a favor, if I can cook a meal for you know a shut-in or if I could lead something at church or whatever. I like to be the yes girl and say yes, but I have learned that that does not serve my family well when I say yes to all the things that come in my house. So you have to learn how to prioritize and how to say no to some things. And sometimes it's, it's just for a season. You're not saying no forever. It's just for a season while you have little kids at home and they are requiring your time and you've committed to this homeschooling call, you have to eliminate some things. So what am I talking about? You might say no to teaching Sunday school for a while or leading a Bible study. You might normally be a coach of a sport and you might set that aside. Um, you might be a scout leader and you might, you know, let someone else lead for a while. Um, <clears throat> maybe you are part of a tennis duo. That is something that you just love. You love playing, you know, tennis and, um, and, but that is time, time away from the family. So you, you set that aside for a time so that you, can focus on this call that you are feeling. Another thing is that you can limit the amount of activities that you commit to, and whether that's weekly, whether that's um, quarterly or for a season. So I, I have met families and I'm like, I don't know how you do it. And I frankly, I don't know that they were doing it well or there is a cost that something else is having to, to give. So things like um, extracurricular things. I, I have seen people go on so many things outside the home, whether it's piano lessons or drama or art classes, things that are extracurricular, they're great, they're wonderful, but if you're sacrificing other things at home, whether it's schoolwork or keeping up with your house or your job, then then it's not worth it. So you, you can limit those. Um, you might limit field trips. One of the benefits of homeschooling is that you have time to go and do really cool field trips. But if that is sucking your time and you're not able to get your other things done, then that is something that you can easily say no to on a regular basis. Like you don't have to go on a weekly field trip. Um, some other things that I have that we have done in our family is to limit sports. We have played sports, but I have three kids and we only do one sport per season. I have known families who have done multiple sports, two and three sports per child. They're gone every night until very late 
it is just not a good healthy choice for a family. So limit sports to one per season. Um, another thing is <laughs> I had, um, there was a season where I was teaching a writing class at a co-op. And I had a student in my class that week after week, he was not getting his work done. And when I would say, you know, well, why? Why aren't you doing your work? Well, we have season passes at Disney. I live in Florida. And they were prioritizing trips to Disney over doing schoolwork. Well, you, that may not be the right priority. You know, if you have season passes, you need to do that on your off time, not make it a priority in your life if you're homeschooling. So you might have to sacrifice that kind of time. And even trips to see grandparents, if they, if they don't live locally, then it may not be something that you can do very frequently because it's going to, again, it's going to take time. So learning how to say no, learning how to put up boundaries is something that is going to keep you sane. It's going to keep you um, having a well-balanced work home life. Um, now, how do you decide which things to say yes and no to? I've already kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, set up a cost benefit analysis. And what do I mean by that? Um, you want to evaluate the benefit that something is going to give you versus the cost that it's going to cost you. And I'm not just talking about money, although that might be part of it. So let's say you get invited to do a Bible study with a group of women on Thursday mornings. What's the benefit of that? Well, you can think of a lot. Bible study is good for your spiritual life. It gets you into the word. It gets you with other women. It challenges you to grow. It challenges you to get into the word. Those are all wonderful things. But what is the cost? The cost is time away from the family. The cost is time away during a school time when you should be doing schoolwork. Um, maybe this Bible study requires a lot of homework, so that's up more time. So maybe you can find a, um, a compromise and, and agree to do a Bible study during the summertime. I actually did that several years. A group of um, homeschool moms and I would get together and do a Bible study during the summer when we had more free time, when we didn't feel the pressure of everything else and children could get together and play. Even as my kids got older and I didn't have to worry about them, I got together with my homeschool moms and we would do our Bible study that time. So maybe you can find ways to work around the things that you want to do at different times of your year. Another, um, another thing is, is to keep things in perspective and weighing your options. So we, um, as a family, we participated in, in some sports. Um, my kids really got into soccer, but we never went the club soccer route. Part of it was financial. It's, it's a pretty big um, cost commitment. Part of it was time. There was travel involved. Um, there, there was more than once a week practice. And also we had three kids. So if all three of them played um, club soccer, that, that's a lot of time and a lot of money. And frankly, my children were not at the quality level to really warrant club soccer. And they, they did not have that commitment that I saw some of the other kids that really, really loved the sport. So there was no reason. I mean, rec soccer was fine for them. And so we settled, we were fine with rec soccer. I did not push them to, to be these super athletes. So that was another weighing of the options. I could do this lesser thing and still get something out of it. I didn't have to 
ramp it up to the next level. And, and you can look at, at all your options in that light. Is there, can I delay something to another year? Can I delay it to another season? Can I delay it to the summer? Um, or is this really something that we need to do at all? If, if you can answer yes to any of those, then I would say go for that. Um, the other thing that I wanted to make sure that I pointed out was that everything that we do is a choice. You're not being forced to do anything. So anything you say yes to, make sure it is your best yes. And then finally, if you do choose to homeschool, it is your choice. If you feel that it is a calling, don't resent that, that yes. If you, if you say yes to that calling, then embrace it, enjoy it, make the most of it, and don't mourn the things that you have given up for this season. It is the season, I promise. We are, all three of us are on the other side of homeschooling now. It, I like to say, the days are long, but the years fly by. That is so true. <laughs> yeah. Sandy, how would you make sure that you're using your time wisely to try to balance homeschool life and work life? I think the first way is to be very practical and have a paper or a digital planner. Um, you need to keep track of what you want to do and share it. Um, if you have if you're working outside the home and you have a spouse helping you or a friend helping you, you need to share your planner, um, your calendar, so that they know you're on the same page. Uh, some parents even like to write a daily list of what's expected that day, whether it's lessons, whether it's tasks. Again, then you know what's going on. The more you communicate, the less stress you will have. Um, and if you write it down, what it does is it frees you. You know, then you're not thinking, oh, what was it that I forgot to do? Or, gee, I, I, I meant to do such and such. If it's written down, then you have something to follow. Um, another way to use your time wisely is to use a curriculum that's already planned out for you. And that's what we all did with Sunlight. It was so much easier because I didn't have to spend, and I used to before I found Sunlight was to spend time trying to figure out what I was going to do each day. Oh, and I, I didn't know, will this take a day? Will this take a week? Sunlight already has that done for you, broken down by days, by weeks, by the year, and you can always modify or tweak as you need to. The other thing is if you have someone helping you, you can hand it over to them. You have this already planned out and they can pick it up and go from there. Um, because your thinking and planning has already been done, it really does give you a freedom to teach, to engage with your children, and that's really helpful. The third way um, to use it is to, and we've already talked about this, limit, well, not exactly this one, but limit your social uh, media time, your um, computer time, your TV time, and that's not just for the children, that's for you too. Um, all of you need to do that because if you are working and you've done school that day too, and then you all need to decompress. Do something together, play a game, um, read a book together. It just allows you to um, enjoy each other and in the long run, you'll be more productive. But as has been already mentioned, another thing to use your time wisely is don't do so many outside activities, um, just like Sheila was talking about. So, I think that that would, you know, those are quick and easy ways. They're very practical. Yeah. 
So organization is going to be one of the most important things as you balance homeschool um, schedules, work schedules, and then home life um, sort of needs, you know, as you go through the day. What advice do you have to really get organized there? Well, this is not easy for a lot of people, but the first thing I would say is have a minimal lifestyle. Um, the fewer things you have, the less you have to keep up with, the less you have to dust, uh, you know, just to keep things organized even. That is really helpful. Also, consider your expectations. Are you okay with just having your house 80% clean? You know, sometimes, again, as Sheila was saying, you have to give up some things. And it may not be the magazine looking home. You need to be okay with that. Have realistic expectations and involve your children. Have them help you be organized. Um, some, this would be a time you'd talk about chore charts, for instance. Some people don't like chore charts at all, um, but they tend to be the ones that are very minimal, uh, minimalistic. They have fewer toys, they have fewer knickknacks, again, less to dust, less to organize, uh, all those things. And the moms train the children to work with them. And moms do it, they, they have to be the model, no matter what, whether you use chore charts or not, moms have to be a part of that or whoever's with them. Um, because it's not just the mom's job to get everything done. It's a team effort, the whole family, uh, you are a family. Those that do use chore charts, the only thing I would recommend is don't give the same child the same chore every week. Mm -hmm. um, yes, people use chore charts also for brush your teeth, make your bed, but if one child always has take out the trash and they hate it, that's really not gonna be a good thing. So mix it up. The other thing would be sometimes you can have an alternate. You know, One of the children can be just kind of on call. Uh, can you come in and help me cut the potatoes or chop the potatoes or um, just fold these socks real quick? Uh, that just kind of helps. And then, uh, oh, well, I was also going to say, we're very quickly, um, you can do a, a quick cleanup. Sheila likes to watch or listen to the fly lady. And so she used to do with her younger children, she would say, okay, we have five minutes. Let's scatter through the house. Let's pick things up real quick. And then that really does a lot because when they think only five minutes, that's not too bad and they will do it. Um, she also would say her house in zones. And then this week we will work in this zone in particular a little more. Once you've done school, uh, before you, they go out and play, they can pick up all their schoolwork, you know, just kind of get into a routine that way. Again, it's everybody works together. It's teamwork. What you're doing is you are um, having a family culture. That's what you're creating. Yeah. So something else that is probably super important is meal planning. And I know that we always sort of struggle with that, right? Like, I, I feel like every, you know, three o'clock, four o'clock, I'm like, what are we going to have for dinner? So Sheila, I was hoping you could help me. Absolutely. I'm a bit of a foodie. I'm a bit of a snob. Um, and I like to cook. So this is um, an area that is near and dear to my heart. Um, and the way that it worked for us, especially when the kids were younger, was I would meal, meal plan. And I would come up with a month at a time. And usually 
you know, once I came up with 31 menus or 31 things to eat each day, then that is, I can reuse that every month and I can tweak things. But to come up with a meal plan just saves you time. It saves you the stress of it's four o'clock. What are we having for dinner? Oh my goodness, I didn't defrost the chicken. Let's order pizza or call hubby and have him pick up takeout. You'll save time, you'll save money, you'll save your mental energy, you'll save stress. Meal planning is the way to go. So there's several different ways you can do it. Um, the way I liked to do it back then was each day of the week had a, had a theme or a category. So Mondays might be like Meatless Monday is a popular one. Um, Taco Tuesday is a popular one. Um, you might have ethnic night where, you know, you might do Asian or Cuban or African or whatever. Um, you might have a pasta night one night. Friday night was always pizza night. Whether we made it in-house or we ordered it, Friday was pizza night. Saturday was date night, so the kids got to eat something either leftover or something very, very simple that they could make or the, the babysitter could make. Um, and then Sunday, we would always eat at my mom's house for lunch. So dinner was either grilled cheese and, or popcorn. And that's still the case. I had popcorn the other night. So <laughs> um, so once, once you come up with your theme, even like Taco Tuesday, that sounds so boring every week. But taco doesn't necessarily mean ground beef. You can have shredded chicken. You could do beans. You could do refried beans. You could do carne asada. I mean, there's so many different things that you could put in a taco. You could make it into a taco bowl. It doesn't even have to have a shell. So there's so many different things. Um, there is a podcaster that I have discovered recently that I really enjoy. Her name is The Lazy Genius. So if you go on your favorite podcast app and look for the lazy genius, she talks about meals a lot. She talks about crowd pleaser meals. Those are those meals that everybody likes. Everybody likes meatloaf or everybody likes mac and cheese or whatever. So she talks about crowd pleasers. She talks about having a dinner queue. And that's where you just come up with a, um, a list of meals that you want to do by season. So in the summertime or springtime, you might use the grill more. In the wintertime, you might do braises or soups more, stews, that kind of thing. And so for each season, you come up with a queue and you just work through the queue. So it's not necessarily like I would do, like on the third of this month, we're having tacos. Um, it's just a list that you can draw from and you can make as many meals as you want from that list. So those are just some ideas. As far as grocery shopping, there are three different camps, I think. Um, there are those moms who just hate the grocery shopping. Um, my sister-in-law is really good now with that online, you know, you order online, you go and you, you pull up and the people load up your car. She doesn't even have to get out of the car. That's great. That wasn't around when I was homeschooling. <laughs> so, you know, progress. Um, so there, there are those kinds of moms. Then there are moms who they use shopping as a time to get away from the kids. Um, that's a time they like to read the labels. They want to do price comparisons. They want to feel the strawberries and make sure that they look good or whatever. And so they might carve out time on a Saturday morning while dad keeps the kids and they get to go shopping and it might take two hours because they're taking their time. They get to be away from the kids. The third time... <laughs> The third kind is the ones who, um, let's make this a learning opportunity and come on kids, we're all going to go shopping and let me teach you about unit pricing and, you know, read the labels and um, teach them about shopping the perimeter and how to choose a good watermelon and all those kinds of things. So 
So it actually becomes part of the homeschool. So there are three different ways that you, you can figure out grocery shopping depending on what your personality is. Um, let's talk about keeping meals simple. When, um, like I said, I, I'm a foodie, so I used to do like meat and two sides and a salad and bread and so many things. And I have simplified my lifestyle lately. So now we just do one meat, one veggie side, um, and maybe if I'm feeling ambitious, I'll throw in a salad. We've eliminated bread. We've, we've eliminated a lot. And that just makes more sense. Um, a lot less prep, a lot less waste, a lot less complaining if, if, you, you know, if you offer things that not everybody likes. So keep your meals simple. As far as snacks go, I recommend not snacking or having a set <clears throat> snack schedule, like, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning or four o'clock tea time or something like that and make it healthy because if they, if, if, if their only choices are veggies and, and dip, they may skip snack. They may not really want it. It could just be that they're bored and they're wanting to, um, you know, entertain their taste buds as opposed to actually fill a hole in their stomach this way. Again, it eliminates people in the kitchen, it eliminates mess, it saves you time. They're actually hungry for the meals that you prepare. They haven't fill, filled up on junk. I would not recommend um, allowing them to endlessly go into the snack closet and help themselves to goldfish and crackers and things like that. It's just, it's not good for them. And it, it's demoralizing for mom after she does cook a meal to not have anyone want to eat it because they're full on junk food. So limit snacks. Um, and then the, and then lastly, teach your kids to cook, like include them in, in the kitchen. I know it's hard. I know it makes a mess. I know that you can do it faster and better and, and be done. But when you teach your children to cook, eventually they can actually do it like for the family. When my daughter, so she's the youngest. When my daughter was in high school, the oldest was already in college. And um, I had a little tutoring job on Tuesday nights. And so I was out of the home. That was her night to cook. Because when I got home, it was dinner time by the time I got home. And this way, she, she was responsible for feeding the family. Um, she learned some very basic skills and then branched out and tried some new things. It was a blessing to me because I didn't have to worry about it. I just made sure that she had what she needed, like she had to meal meal plan and let me know what she was planning on cooking so I could make sure that she had it. Um, but now she's in college and she cooks all the time. She cooks for her friends. My son cooks. So it's, it's a great thing. There is a cost up front in teaching them, but the payoff is worth it. So pre-planning your food, coming up with a meal plan is a time saver. Um, a sanity saver, and it will streamline your your day. For sure. Thank you. That's yeah. awesome. So I think that sometimes people feel like accepting help is failing. Homeschooling, working, and working is two jobs. We already talked about that. You need to find and accept help where you can. Um, Rhonda, can you talk us through some advice on how to do that and how it can be most valuable for the family. Absolutely, and you're so right. It's not a like, oh, I can't handle it. It's not that at all. In fact, getting help can be absolutely enriching for your family as a whole. So um, let's, let's talk about options. Obviously, perhaps your spouse could be a help for you. 
um, maybe your mom, your father-in-law, your, um, your friend, uh, those all could be valuable options for you to get some help. And what you wanna think through, however, is this. When you are opting to have someone come in and help you, realize that they're not you. Oh my goodness, that's the secret, is that you have to realize that they're going to teach or whatever you determine that they're going to do, you choose those things, remember? Because this is all about you choose. And be okay with how they're going to teach it. And realize that, you know what, that's kind of life too. Your kids are going to get all kinds of perspectives, all kinds of you know ideas. So this is kind of life learning, like, oh, that's not how mom does it. This is how the other person does it and learn to flex. And it's okay and it's actually good for the kids. Um, you need to probably have some kind of conversation with the person, as Sandy was mentioning before. I'm um, having a pre-planned curriculum is actually pretty nice because you can just hand it over. But on the other hand, you would still need to talk about what are some standards that you might have or how they're going to listen or how they're going to complete the work or, or whatever, but those things you might want to talk about. I will also tell you that, you know, when you are working outside the home and you have so many things that you're doing and you're being mom and you're being, you know, like master planner cook and all these things, can cause frustration. I think sometimes you might feel, and I'm, I'm talking very honestly here, you know, if your spouse is helping you and maybe they're much more of like a free former and you're like, no, no, this is how it goes down. You really, if you're going to have that conflict with your spouse, like, you know what, let's nip it, nip it at the bud. Let's head it off at the pass and talk through those issues and things and come to some time, some kind of agreement outside of the children's hearing. They need to feel that y'all are on the same front. And um, and I'll just make a cohesive, happy little situation going on. And then it'll be cool. You just, just that little thing. Because um, those kiddos, they sense that conflict. So support one another. Um, also, another thing you can do, and I was really super careful. There is a 14 year span between my oldest and my youngest. Wow. Uh, so I, you know, spoke teenage at the same time I spoke toddler, you know, I was conversant in those languages. And uh, when those older kids, you know, they can be called in to read, maybe some read aloud or maybe some history spine or something like that for you. I did have some parameters when I did call on my olders to help, which was one, I didn't overdo it, overuse them. I wasn't, that wasn't expectation of them for one, that was a um, judiciously chosen thing that I did. Another thing was that um, I did make sure that when that was happening, I was with, within earshot only because I wanted to like, if I wanted to like throw something in there <laughs> to facilitate discussion, I could do it. Yeah. Uh, so I would do that. Um, another thing is it is actually good for the younger child and the older child. And I will tell you that something that happened in my family is I saw the olders start to shepherd the youngers. And that was a really cool thing. And it actually continued through their college years where I saw my older son kind of shepherd the little guys, which they weren't that little, you know, high schoolers into that college thing. So it, it is creating something very unique amongst your family. But again, I'm not 
using my children to be an extra teacher. Um, then the only other thing is I think when an older child, like let's say they're, you know, junior high or element later elementary school and they're reading to the others, the benefit for them is they're learning how to read out loud, they're learning fluency, they're learning inflection, and these are all great things for them. So we've talked about having a spouse or a mom or a dad, we've talked about older children. Now let's talk about this. You also can choose a co-op. You would probably want to research what kind of co-op it is because there's all kinds. There's some that are academic. There's some that are um, enrichment. Find the one that is going to work for you. And again, here's that word, choose which things you're willing to let go and let somebody else cover for you, whatever that might be. Um, by the time my oldest was 14, um, she, I was like, Oh, biology and chemistry. Oh, and then I found this wonderful person called Sandy. <laughs> Sit with me, and oh my goodness, she just loves that kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, we joined forces, and I let that go, and <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> so that's kind of um, those are the things that you can do to get help. And no, it's not a failure; it's actually enriching. Perfect. So how can we keep perspective when things get tough? Sheila? Um, I think the biggest thing is to remember that this is a season and it's going to pass. When you're in the middle of it, it feels like every day is going to last forever. Um, you know, this month has got 300 days in this one month and it's just, you know, it's just never going, it's just never going to end. And also, um, you have your goals, you've made your boundaries, you have this perfectly laid out curriculum with your plan, and then you wake up and you have a child throwing up or diarrhea everywhere or whatever. And there goes your perfectly laid plans. So you really need to um, hold each day loosely, lightly, be ready to pivot, be ready to um, extend grace, sometimes to a child, sometimes to yourself. Um, you have to be able to adjust your schedule accordingly. And then, and even from year to year, like by the end of the one school year, you're, you feel like you're, you got into the groove, but now the next year, your child is a little bit older, they can work more independently, but maybe you have a younger one that's coming in. And so you're having to, to refigure it out every year. It's like, you know, you, you, you get into a groove and then you have to make a new groove. You have to figure things out. Um, one of the things that you can do to kind of change things up a little bit and so it's not so intense, you can choose to focus on a subject each year that you want to kind of do well, like do, it's, all, it's almost like a deep clean when you want to deep clean your freezer, you know, you're going to focus on that freezer and you're going to clean that one thing. So if, you know, one year you might really dig deep into science and then maybe lighten up on some other subject like social science or Bible or art or something like that. There are some that are non-negotiables. You really have to do math every day. You really have to do some reading and writing every day because those are skill-based subjects. If you don't use the skill, you lose it. So, but those other subjects, you, you can kind of flex a little bit. Um, another thing that we did in our family was to use what I call block scheduling. And that's where we, we did history on Mondays and Wednesdays. We'd follow a four-day schedule instead of the five-day. Sunlight offers both. So we would do history on Mondays and Wednesdays. So on 
Monday, I would read Mondays and Tuesdays reading of history, and we wouldn't touch science at all. Then on Tuesday, we would do Mondays and Tuesdays science reading and not touch history at all. And then Wednesday, we would do Wednesdays and Thursdays science, and Thursday, we would do Wednesdays and Thursdays. No, I'm sorry. Wednesday, we would do Wednesdays and Thursdays history, and Thursday, we would do Wednesdays and Thursdays science. So we would only do those subjects twice a week instead of every single day. That, again, saves you a little time. You're not looking for books and figuring out what the reading assignment is and reading your notes um, every single day. You're only doing it every, every other day. So there's some flexibility there. Um, the other thing is give yourself grace. I've already mentioned that, but I mentioned it before. The years are uh, the days are long, but the years fly by. And when you when you give yourself grace and you don't compare yourself to your friends and what they're doing and what curriculum they're doing and what activities they're participating in, but you only focus on your own goals, your own boundaries. You discuss things over with your husband and you've agreed on certain things and you don't look at what everyone else is doing. That will give you so much more peace because you won't be comparing yourself to what everyone else is doing or you, it won't puff you up with pride. It's not just some, sometimes you feel less, sometimes you feel better. Oh, look at me. I'm so put together. So it's just good. Don't compare. Just kind of put those blinders on and, you know, avoid that. Um, don't forget, I, I love this analogy. If you've ever done any plane travel, they always talk about the oxygen mask you put on your own self first before you assist anyone else. So be sure that you are doing what you need to support yourself. So for me, that is a quiet time in the morning. That is a non-negotiable. If my kid gets up early, then they can snuggle with me, but they can't talk. They can't turn on the TV. This is my time with the Lord. And they, they know that. The other thing for me also is I like to exercise. When I burn energy in the morning, it fuels me for the rest of my day. So whether that's Pilates or running, but something that takes care, I take care of myself so that then I have energy that I can give. If I don't, if I don't build that into myself, then I'm depleting my stores and I have nothing left to give. So it's important that you make time um, for the things that really feed you, really feed you, not just mindless scrolling on Instagram. Um, and then lastly, really pray, pray for, for God. If he has called you to this, pray for his strength, pray for his um, filling, pray for his wisdom. His word tells us that, um, that we have wisdom when we ask for it, that he is willing to, to give it, that, you know, that he is the source of wisdom. So to ask for those things, that's why that daily quiet time for me is so, so important. So if we ask of it, he will provide it. But we need to ask. And sometimes I think we forget. We forget to plug into the power source. So we run out of battery and then you know, we're left without. Plug into the power source and he will make it happen. Very good. Rhonda, do you have any last minute or last words of encouragement? Yes. Well, hopefully what you all have heard and all these like, do this, no, don't do this. And really what you've hopefully heard overall is give yourself grace, do some planning, lean on the Lord, and it's going to be good. It's going to be good because you're doing what God has called you to do. So and I'm going to tell you the secret. You can just like move on in now. Okay, like move close. Kind of going to whisper it to you. You can have it all. Just not all at once. 
And those, think about it, those are words of wisdom in that that's what we're talking about. It's that balancing of different things at different times and all, all those things. And it's absolute truth. And I will, let me just emphasize with Sheila also that absolutely, I remember um, praying before my feet hit the, you know, before I pop up out of bed in the morning and, and just like, Lord, what about this? You know, like, he is the one that schedules us. He's the one that called you to um, the honor of reaching these little people and growing them in him and educating them to be, and I always like to say, wicked smart and <laughs> go out in the world. So that's all so amazing. And, and just, I think, refocus on that blessing because it is, it's amazing. And just rely on Jesus. Just hang on, girl. Rely on that Jesus, because he is there. We promise. Right, right girls? We promise. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate all of you so much for joining to talk about how we balance homeschool life and work life. I hope this helped you. We'll see you next time. Okay.